Blog Talk Radio. Hey kids, it is officially, I almost said Wednesday. Can you imagine that? That's probably because it's a holiday week. Hi, guess what? It's me, little old me. I am so excited that I get to introduce Carmine today and I get to interview him as well as introduce him. See, I'm talking way too fast today and this is without my medication. Real quick couple of messages real fast here. First of all, I just want to again say thank you so much to everybody who's been reaching out in terms of this little medical crisis. Um, Just a heads up, I will be having MRI next week. I will be having more updates later this week in terms of my health, so I will keep everyone posted. I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's reached out, who cares, who's concerned. Obviously, of course, the largest issue and worry that I have is obvious. You know, a professional writer who's been writing for a number of years, you know, your tools get very tired, and I'm very, very concerned. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm very uncomfortable, but I'm working on it. So I just wanted to say thanks so much to absolutely everybody for caring. Um, Obviously, um, as you can see, I've been trying to type less, so I apologize for my not as diligent posting of guests and things like that. I'm doing the best I can. I've been working on a bunch of handbooks and I've been writing pages of material. So frankly, I'm just worn out and I apologize for that. Um, Today, of course, is Carmine Cardona, who will be on in just a moment, producer, director, just human being extraordinaire. want to remind everybody to tune in um, just for our next couple of shows. Obviously, of course, tomorrow is Wednesday. We are doing, and I'm so very excited about this, Dr. Nita and it's Bouchon. I want to make sure I say that right. And it's spelled B-H-U-S-H-A-N. She is a superpower when it comes to being a speaker. She's the founder of the Global Grid Institute. She's also the host of the podcast Revolutionary Leadership. And most importantly, she just published a book by the name of Emotional Grit, and that's G-R-I-T. She's going to be coming on the show 1 o'clock Central Standard Time on Wednesday. Obviously, Thanksgiving is Turkey Day, and yes, I'm going to be drinking, cooking, and well, you know. And then, of course, that brings us to Friday. Friday is just a marathon of BradentonBluesFestival.org. Um, We're going to be introducing first Ileana Cats Cats, which is an actual violin player that's going to be coming on the show. She's performing at the Bradenton Blues Festival. We're going to be talking to the actual chair of the International Blues Foundation, who is the sponsor of the Bradenton Blues Festival, and of course, the actual uh, CEO of Realize Bradenton, which is a nonprofit that does that. So Bradenton Blues Festival, that's going to be both two to, it's actually literally a marathon. So three different interviews between two and four o'clock Central Standard Time this coming Friday. So I feel badly. Poor Carmine's had to hold here for the last few minutes. Let's get him on the air and start talking. Is hey, Carmine- <laughs> yes, Cindy. How are you doing? Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to do my little announcements. And then sometimes, you know, in, in the world of blog talk radio, you call in and then the phone doesn't work right away, so you got to put a password in. It's a big pain in the butt. But here we are. Right. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. You are just the loveliest man in the entire world. I have to tell you that. You are so sweet all the time, constantly. Uh-huh. I, I, oh, my God. I'm in awe of you because you're just so lovely. I mean, for a man in his 60s, and he is 60-something, folks. We'll just say 60-something. We'll leave it at that. Um, he's, <laughs> he is wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And I have, like, a gazillion questions for you. Um, okay, so, good. Um, okay, first off, because Turkey Day is coming up, and, of course, obviously, you're in my favorite city in the entire world, which, folks, he lives in Oceanside, New York. He's actually uh, born – he was born in Brooklyn. So right, my question yes. is, you and Mary, now what are you going to do? Something big and exciting? Are you going to have the grandkids over? What are you going to do for the big uh, holiday? Gonna have the family, you know, immediate fancy. Uh, Mary lost her mother early this year, so uh, it's gonna oh, be a little downplay, yeah. So uh, 
we're having her brothers coming over with his family. I'm having my okay. grandniece, my grandniece come over with my niece. Uh, my grandniece is just back from uh, Florida. Uh, okay. So they're all coming over, and we're just going to have a big dinner. And I'll probably be working down here on different films and everything. That's what I do. It's my day off. And then the next day, uh-huh. my friends own a business. My friends own a business, and my wife uh, helps manage it. So, okay. of course, it's Black Friday, so I have to go right. in there. So we're going to be in at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I'll be working that oh. night, and then I'm about 4 in the morning to get over there and, uh, you know, help the people out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and what kind of store then, is it, or what kind of joint? Uh, it's it's in a mall. It's in a uh, oh, okay. mall, and it's, a, and it's okay. a sneaker clothing store. Oh, cool. And they have okay, like, so all, all the top Nike and Jordan. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I used to go out and shop on, on Black Friday, and then I got afraid of people because they scare me. They, like, trample each other. And do they get crazy in New York? Because you're in Wisconsin. People are out at, like, 3 a.m., and they're in line, and they're crazy. They're nuts. Oh, yeah, only in New York, it's it's the uh, – we're safe over there because it's, it's only crazy <laughs> in the electronic stores, you know, with TVs and all. Right. Oh, that's when they're nuts. Yeah, so oh, we're kind of safe. They're not really that crazy over the sneakers and uh, and the clothing, but okay, gotcha. give them a TV, give them a TV, give them a video recorder or something, and they're crazy. You know, <laughs> the first services probably when they get cell phones, cell phones will be going nuts too. Oh, I bet. I imagine. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, look at that. Okay, well, there's much to know about you. So I want to introduce a good number of things to the listening audience. So I want to start with something that's actually non-actor or non-producing slash directing relative, which is I want to talk about the different hats you've worn in your lifetime. First of all, I did not know until I started researching you that you actually are an aficionado in the martial arts area. So I want you to talk a little bit about – what got you involved in that? What made you want to get into martial arts? Because knowing what I know of you, it doesn't seem atypical of you, or is it just me? Uh, no, it, 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 it's something I always wanted to do as I was growing up. You know, my, my father was in the service, so he taught me some wrestling moves and all when I was younger. So I got when I got older, you know, uh, I'll I, tell you the truth. The, the first thing that got me into the karate business was, uh, was Elvis in Roustabout. When, oh my gosh. Uh, he goes out, when he goes outside and the two guys are after him and and he breaks their arm or something and and, and uh, they go, wow, that's karate. And they all run. <laughs> so that, that <laughs> oh my gosh. So I didn't get to really learn until 1970 when I moved to uh, Freeport, Long Island. So uh, mm-hmm. I was getting into Growing up in Brooklyn, you got into fights all the time. You know, it was right. just like an everyday thing. So it was nothing okay. to really think. So I was, I was like really, really wild. And then when I got to karate, my parents got me uh, a birthday present. They got me one month. And they said, if you like it after one month, then it's up to you to get the money yourself and continue. I was 16 at the time. Oh, so, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I started with that, and I liked it, and then I found a job. There was a, a movie theater on the way there, so uh, I became an usher for oh a couple my gosh. Of years as I, was, okay. uh, as I was going to karate school and going to regular school. Okay. That was my day. I would walk there from Freeport to Baldwin 
until I was able to drive on really bad nights. My father would drive uh, if he was home, you know, okay. to work. And then I would walk okay. over to karate. I'd do the same thing. So that's what got me into the martial arts. I started with that. And then uh, as the years went on, I acquired a third-degree black belt in, uh, in taekwondo. Then I moved over to Wing Chun in about 1979. Started Wing okay. Chun. And during okay. that course, uh, 1981, when I moved down to Florida, I signed up with a, a a wushu kung fu uh, school, which taught like the five animal styles. They taught some weapons, and that's where I started learning a screamer uh, with the stick fighting and mm-hmm. Wally J small circle theory. And I started to get more involved in a lot more stuff down there in Florida. Then eventually opened up my school, but that was later on in the late eighties. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So now the that, reason I asked about. The timing-wise, I wanted to. I had a question relative to that because I was thinking to myself: two of the components I know that are important or crucial in martial arts are you learning, of course, discipline and focus. So I was wondering if that came first, which then translated toward your acting and directing and producing and such. Meaning, you obviously need focus, determination, and a sense of drive um, when right. it comes to doing your field. So I was just curious if if the martial arts stuff came first and you took some of what you learned from that and took it into yes, this industry yes, with the, you. The, yes, the martial arts stuff was what made me focus because okay. I was wild. Like I was explained that I was wild, and that kind of calmed mm-hmm. me down, believe it or not, because when you, really? go into, when you go into a school and you spar against somebody maybe that's smaller than you and you think that mm-hmm. you can overpower you and all of a sudden they knock you down, you realize that even a little guy can hurt you. So ah. it, changes your whole, it changes your whole attitude towards things. You start respecting other people, start respecting other things. You know, so that, that's, you know, that's what you do. You know, that, that's okay. what happened to me. I started respecting other people. Before that, it was like me, me, nice. me. You know, you get fights every right. day. But that sure. kind of like uh, calmed me down and all. What focused really, I was into entertainment business since I was a little kid, kind of like almost kind of like my uh, my father was into, uh, uh, he got a, a, you know, award for uh, radio broadcasting and uh early TV. This goes back when TV was first being created. But okay. he couldn't go into he couldn't go into that aspect because at that time my mother was pregnant and says go out and get a regular job. And so uh-huh. he had it so he went to work for a factory where he got benefits and all that. So but then he okay. he used to do th- he used to do things on the side like he used to do Emma Kelly. He used to bring me in as Emma Kelly's little son to so dress me up with clown clothes and makeup and oh everything. Show me how to put makeup. Show me Aww. how to put on makeup and everything in order to oh assist gosh. me in shows. And we did shows for Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts. Uh, any type of uh, function that was going on, they would fall upon him, and he would do that, like his little Emma Kelly impersonation, bring me in. We had little skits that we used to do. So that kind of gave me, gave me a taste of kind of like acting into the acting field. Sure, of course. Now, as far as the martial arts thing, because obviously, of course, you're not 21 anymore, are you still able to participate, or do you still are you still doing I the martial and outside of things? Oh, you do. I okay. Still, 
I still work out, and I make uh, on the thing I I put. Uh, I still make uh, martial art videos, training videos. Yeah. That's on my yep. YouTube uh, channel. That's so cool. I love that, and yeah. and that's neat because that means you're still in decent shape, obviously, and you still enjoy doing it. And there's and there's a benefit of that, obviously. I would gather. I mean, just right. It keeps, it men- keeps me even in shape. mentally, right, yeah, and mentally men- as well. Mentally, physically, too. keeps me in shape. I okay. had a few setbacks though. I had a few setbacks really? that uh, I had to get over, and through uh, determination and the martial arts ability and all, I got over that. I had a I was diagnosed about four years ago with a disease. disease. Uh, I have uh, diverticulosis. Oh, my. Uh, I have, yeah, so I have to watch what I eat. And, uh, yeah, they, they, I was brought into the hospital, almost bled to death. And, uh, they, oh, that's uh, Yeah, they uh, stabilized me. I was in the hospital for four days. And okay. they got me up. They had me on routine checkups. Right now, I've gotten a lot better, so my checkups go every six months. Rather, it was every three months for a while. But they saw I was progressing very, very good. I lost a lot of weight because I got heavy, I guess, in the process. I don't know what happened to me during all that time. There was a lot of, through my life, I had a lot of, like, loss and everything. I want to tell, like, everybody, if you do have a loss, you will get over it because I lost my whole family, one here, one there, one there, one there. They all went in, and they all died of early age. So, oh my goodness! I'm the one. I last. I last. I'm older than anybody in my family has lived, basically. Oh my goodness! This is my See, and I was. Family. Yeah. And that's interesting that you brought that up because I was just going to say to to the listening audience, to those of you that have never had an opportunity to see him perform or to obviously have never heard of him up until today, one of the things that I can notate about you that is ongoing every day, and I can tell you this, folks, I'm first-hand observer to this, you have such a, a very grandiose sense of humor. He does these videos, he does these pictures, he does all these different little things that he says and does that are just so humorous. And oftentimes we find that the people that are the funniest are usually masking a great deal of sadness or they've lived through a lot of life tragedy. So it's interesting that you mention that. Um, I think some of our best actors slash people in the business have all come from very tumultuous times. Would you say that that might yeah. be fair assessment? You think? Yeah, correct. <laughs> I've had, well, that stopped me. That's why uh, at such a late age I'm making another comeback. It seems like I'm always right. making a comeback because <laughs> I started, yeah, I started with the acting, I mean, going into doing certain movies in the early 80s when I moved to Florida. Right. A lot of background right. work. But then mm-hmm. in that process, uh, I lost my father. He passed away and uh, over the responsibilities of his home, paid all the bills mm-hmm. with my wife and worked more full-time. I was a DJ, you know, by trade that would bring in the money. So I had right. to divert, devote more hours to that. It was a little hard because you had to be on the set at 7 in the morning and you didn't know when you were going to get off the set. It could be 6 o'clock, it could be 4 o'clock, it could be 5 o'clock. You're not the main star, so you don't have uh, a set schedule. you right. you got a schedule of when they tell you to go home. So that's oh, your sure. schedule. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and then I had work. I had to be at work at uh, 10 o'clock at night, and I worked at 6 in the morning at that time at one of the clubs in oh Florida. And okay. then I had to be at I had I had to be at on a set at seven. So that kind of like, you know, uh 
that kind of like disrupted things for a while, and especially when I was working full time. See, before that, when I first started, my father was still alive. I was working maybe three times a week. But then uh, after he passed away, I had to take on more to pay the bills. So I was working mm-hmm. full-time DJing five, six days a week, whatever it was, whatever right. it took. And sure. then I had to get up and do that. So eventually one outweighed the other. Where was I making more money? At that time in Florida, I was, at the beginning, I was making good money. But as the business expanded, if you didn't expand with it and you were an extra, the money was going down and it wasn't worth it anymore. They wanted me to go across the state on my own thing. They wanted to pay me $25, and I said, you know. Oh, my. Yeah, oh, my God. Because they can get people to do it for nothing, you know, put a camera in front of somebody, and they want to be on film, you know, and oh so it, it was easy for them that way. So uh, sure. Sure. it was getting harder. My agent wanted me to uh, go up to uh, – uh, go up to be uh, a main extra. That was the next step where you get okay. a card, almost like a SAG card. They came up with another card for a main extra. Really? Yeah, and ah, then you would, get okay. in, you would get into the bottom loop of it, and that's what you would do. So he kept encouraging me to do that, but then again, you had to get a portfolio, you had to do all this, and here we go with costing money. Right, and the money, exactly. My money... My money was going towards paying the bills of the house. Mm-hmm. So there was right. one thing taken away. <laughs> that was one setback. Then I tried to make another comeback in the late 80s uh, uh, when I was uh, trying. I think the, the latest one that I was doing, there was a couple of them. I tried to do, oh, the, well, Scarface was early. Revenge of the Nerds was last playing out. Uh, there was uh, one that was in the, I'm not sure which one it was that they want. I think it was Easy Money was the one they wanted me to be in. And when I came home oh, from nice. work, I was supposed to, on a set at 7, I was sitting home watching a Lassie movie, Lassie Come Home, and okay. I fell asleep. And I fell asleep. Never made it to the set. My agent called me up <gasps> the next day. He says, I didn't okay. get a, a, a he didn't, because they send in sheets. He goes, okay. I didn't get a, a sheet sent in. What happened? Did you make it? I said, oh, no. Right. So he did one of these things. You're never going to work in this town again. Right? One of those things. That's what they do. And then I got oh a call God. the next week. No. Then I got a call the next week to uh, to go to the last plane out with J. Michael Vincent. But that was the one I told you was across the state. Right, right, right. And, and, and that. That I says no, I, I'm not going to do that for twenty five dollars. That was a twenty five dollar no. one. Yeah. So what happened was at that time I saw my friends. I had friends that I met uh, that were doing extra work, but they were tinkering with the film business in the early seventies, like I did. I tinkered early okay. with film, Super Eight, Eight Millimeter. I had mm-hmm. sliced film. I mean, that's when you get film. You had to you had to take the, the thing and you go frame by frame and you mark the you mark the frame and then you gotta cut, splice, take the frame out, and this is how you edit. That's how you edit it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like the computer thing, so it was that. And they did the same thing. So we became friends. So uh eventually uh Jay went on, you know, I went on to being a full DJ and all that and I didn't really get back into the film, uh doing the film until about I would say about a few years back, which was 
when I contacted them on Facebook, and they said they were doing films, and then they showed me, they said, no, just get this. They told me everything to get. I started making the films, and surprisingly, my knack was still there of making the films, and a lot of them started winning awards, which brought me to the next level. Right, of course. Now, I don't want to forget to go back to that point there, because there are oftentimes people that... No, no. Oftentimes people listen to my show and some of them are not as established. They're thinking about going into the business, et cetera. So if you would, going back and looking at this and listening to the story, would you advise people because of the way the industry works these days, should they be keeping that primary employment and using their artistic side as meaning don't rely necessarily on what may or may not occur because this industry, as we know, can be very unsteady. So if you could give advice to somebody out there who's looking to become an actor or producer, do they still need to keep that day job period or you think they could still go running off and chasing that dream period? Uh, everybody wants to chase a dream. I, I feel, I see my circumstances were different than some mm-hmm. of the people. That's uh, fun to what your circumstance is. Uh, and when I lost right. my whole family, I was like the main, you know, bread, and that was the setback. Right. And right. Uh, other people, which a lot of people that I know in the industry right now will take uh, a job like a waiter or a waitress or something like right. that as they pursue their career. And that's, I guess, that's the way to go because then you can... Uh, you know, a lot of them live in small apartments. They don't live, you know, like really good. You know I mean, they, they right. don't live in, in little, that's the way you give up. You give up to gain. And that's right. what you do. And, and I my agree. life, I gave up, I gave up my, you know, most of my life to get to the aspect right now. And luckily, I have a wonderful wife that encourages hmm. me. I uh, says, this is my last shot. I told her, <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. And they, she sees the ability, and she saw all oh, we've been married about 37 years. So okay. She's seen, she's seen this all through me all my life. So she goes, no. She goes, go for it this time. And she sees the artistic uh, ability that I seem to have throughout okay. the years, I guess, you know, acquiring it all. So uh, to the people out there that are chasing your dream, the dream is there. It's up to you to uh, acquire and put all the effort, put all your work. It doesn't come overnight. There's a lot of work to do. You have to set up a lot of things, a lot of things you're going to give up. Give it up to and and focus. The main thing is focus. Of course, without a doubt. If you keep getting sidetracked, it's never going to happen. You're going to have letdowns. People are going to. Some people will love you. Some people will hate you. I believe me. Sure. I had people say some of my films were ridiculous. Well, sometimes ridiculous works. It's going to how some people look at it. People look at things different ways. Uh, people go to film school. That's another thing. Try and go to film school, but. Uh, don't let the film school go in with your creativity because you mm-hmm. don't want to be caught in making films like everybody else. Right. You want to come up with your own creativity, come up with your own ideas, expression. Most of the top filmmakers right now uh, came up with completely new. And those are the ones that grab the spotlight. 
the other ones, sure. uh, the other people, you've succeeded, but you become, you know, I've seen something, well, this looks like that. that the, I look at, at things, I want to see something that's going to jump out and say, hey, I've never seen that before. And that's what, yeah, that's, that's what you want to focus on. Focus oh, on being very, 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 very creative. Now, you brought up an interesting point with bringing up your spouse, of course, uh, again, to the listening audience. So, of course, Mary and you have been together for a significant amount of time. Um, so talk a little bit about I, I think people have this version of it's so glamorous when it comes to the producing and acting and directing side of things. You get in this industry. It can be very difficult. I've interviewed a number of individuals who have said, you know, it can really be tolling on a relationship. It can be very demanding. It can be very frustrating. How does, because your wife is not industry, correct? Um so I wonder, how has she adjusted to this lifestyle? Because, of course, obviously, if you have to direct something or produce something, you're not a nine-to-five kind of guy sometimes. So how crucial is it uh, to have a working relationship with a partner that understands, especially to those that are out there that are younger and thinking, oh, you know, they're just going to dig this and it's going to be awesome. And, and, and I want you to paint a realistic picture for them and let them know that there might be struggle involved with this if you, if you do not have the support that you need. Uh, yeah, well, see, it's going to the circumstances that you, you get into your relationship. Luckily, uh, when I met my wife and we were married, I was in the DJ business. Now, the DJ business is a lot like the entertainment business. I work weird okay. hours, weird days, all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, meet a lot of different people, uh, don't see her a lot, work nights. She worked during the day, I work nights. That was our relationship, but, you know. Oh, my. Yeah, and we did that for most of the, I, I was a DJ for 30 years, and we've been married 37 years. So I was a DJ probably about five years before we married. And oh, then, my gosh, okay. So about 25 years of living that type of lifestyle. So it, it carries on into this. I mean, What's good is we work together. <laughs> when we help my friend out in their business, sure. so we're together all the time over there. And then when we come home, uh, I go to work on a computer. She goes and does sure. what she has to do. And then right. on our days off, we spend time together. We just went away uh, for about five or right. six days. We went to uh, Memphis. And right. we had a great time over there. So we spent time over there. It was like a second honeymoon for us. Aw, so, see, now that's so, so sweet. And I wanted to ask about that, too, because I assume that you were a big Elvis fan because I thought to myself, okay, well, he's going over to Memphis and he's taking all these pictures and all that good stuff. And, and so what, what was the draw there? Was it just a mutual sort of we'd never been there? Had you been there before or you just wanted to pick something different? Or why, why there in particular? Uh, that was on my bucket list. <laughs> oh, my God, seriously. Yeah, I says I have to do that. I mean, all the years, and, I, and you know, I was an Elvis fan. My wife's an Elvis fan, right. too. So oh, I figured nice. I've got to get there. And then when I uh, – we have a, a radio station, a cable radio station in my car, and we listen to the Elvis station all the time. So uh, I heard that uh, – that the guest house was opening up okay. and it's right next to Graceland. So I said, no, I got to do this. So I went on a computer, looked it up, saw there was rooms available, and it was the first week it was open, too. 
It was okay. The first, it was the grand opening of the whole hotel. So I says, we got to oh, go. Indeed. So I says, yeah. So I, I made reservations, and I got to get a sure. plane flight, and that was the next thing. And the plane okay. flight, that was the... That was the difficult part, getting a plane flight. Getting the reservations for the hotel was easy. Getting a plane flight was a hard thing because then we had to stop over in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then we had to go over there. I mean, it, it, I couldn't find a, a one way there, you know, from oh Kennedy Airport. From Kennedy Airport, okay. the, the only thing was a stopover, you know. And then if you okay. wanted, then if you wanted uh, a straight run, they had a straight run. It was like. Four hundred dollars each way. <gasps> oh my and that, god! And that and that's for coach. That's that insane. Coach. I know oh. it was insane. That's just I ain't doing that. So I got you know a regular price at that time. Price has gone up on the airport, the airlines, and everything. So uh, sure, I got a good price for uh, going there, but I had to stop off the layover. So oh my uh, god! Yeah. Oh my gosh! So Neat. that was nice. Now, can you tell us anything about Elvis we didn't know before? Did you learn anything interesting? I mean, I saw the different pictures, of course. So this is more for oh, my it, listening audience because they didn't was, get to see that. Oh, it, it was it was a weird experience because uh, if you saw what I did, oh, I hope they ain't listening on the radio. I saw the thing. You weren't supposed to film in there, but I, I filmed outside <gasps> in Grand Graceland. I filmed did inside. No, nobody busted me. Nobody busted. I hope Thank they don't God bust for me that. now. <laughs> no, no. We'll just pretend like we didn't really say that. Yeah. I put the videos on the thing. I got inside of his plane. I was inside of his plane. I was inside his trophy room. Inside, there was a couple other things I was inside. We went to some studios, too. And we spent, over there he was supposed to film, and I filmed over there, too. So, because mm-hmm. my, I used my cell phone camera, but I got like 64 bits of memory in my cell phone camera, so I could gotcha. I could film for, I can film for like two hours. But there was something uh, I found out about uh, in the living room, and nobody knows, nobody knows about this. There's a china closet, and in the, I think the second or the third drawer in the china closet, if you open, I didn't get to open it up, but I found out from one of the curators about it. There's a samurai sword that he has in there, and nobody really? knows. Nobody knows where he got that samurai sword from. He never mentioned huh. it. All they did when they were cleaning up the house and everything before they were shown, they they left everything the way it was. When they pulled open right. that drawer, there was a samurai sword in there. Gosh, look at that! And, and nobody knows why it was in there. So there's my little huh. Elvis uh, thing that I found out. Plus, oh my gosh. Uh, and still, you know, yeah, go ahead. They still, they still go there. Uh, Priscilla goes there, Lisa Marie, and they still have. They'll sure. probably be there Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving. They go there on holidays, and everything is functional. The kitchen's functional, really? and everything. Yeah, everything's functional in the house. You're not allowed upstairs. They, I tried to get upstairs, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> oh well, you know, you at least made a good shot. Yeah, yeah, and you can't go down to the basement because that's where they made uh, the studio. They changed the studio. They had the studio first in the jungle room, and then okay. he didn't want it. He wanted more privacy because in the okay. jungle room, there's, there's, like, windows and all with it too much. So they he made the studio downstairs, uh, the recording studio downstairs. So they weren't allowed to I go down you. to the recording studio. Over there, but, but I, I went you. all the other places. Uh, they have the horses. Uh, 
The horses are still roaming around. Uh, Priscilla still rides a horse whenever she wants to ride it. I mean, the horses are back there. But they put, like, blinders on the horse so people can't uh, distract them. So when you go back and you're looking at the horse, you can't be following the horses. You know, come over here by the thing. The horses oh, are sure. you know, out there grazing. They're out there grazing. Oh, I get it. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. So if I were to ask you, do you think – oh, my gosh, I must be allergic to you. Do you think that uh, nowadays would you say that we have a modern-day – is there such a thing as a modern-day Elvis or somebody who even comes close to him? Because i got to say, some of that old-time, whether it's actors, musicians, et cetera, it's hard to duplicate the work of them, even remotely close. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just can't I, replace I royalty. I, I, I don't see anybody. I, I don't really don't see anybody that has, you know, groups have come along, you know, to. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, but I haven't seen any really single uh, person. The, the most single person that they were saying at one time was, uh, what's his name? Uh, his daughter. He has a daughter. That's a, a Cyrus, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, yeah, 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 Billy, Miley Cyrus. Oh yeah, yeah, Billy, yeah, Billy, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus uh, was one that they were talking about when he first came up. Right. That he was like the new Elvis, but then right. it, it just it just didn't occur. It didn't you know, occur. That's true. And then, I get yeah. it. And then you had, uh, believe it or not, did you know that Lisa Marie was out there and did a couple of CDs too? Yeah, I did know about her, actually, and I'd heard about it and seen it and all that good stuff, and then, you know, she ended up marrying What's-His-Name, which I thought was really weird, um, Michael Jackson, which I thought, oh, yeah, God, that's strange. And she married uh, Nicholas Cage, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, I forgot about that. You know, she's a little yeah. different. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting how things have evolved, and we have such a fascination, you know, with him and the Marilyn Monroe's of the world and all that good jazz and stuff. And, you know, I also found out about you. I'm so jealous. You have been to the real live Amityville Horror House. That thing freaks me out. Oh, yeah, yeah. That whole movie freaks me out. But I'm like, oh, my God, how cool is that? Why did you go there? Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, the movie that you see in the movies was filmed in New Jersey. They weren't allowed to film at the actual house. Really? Oh, okay, were, got it. People were living there at that time. Sure, So sure. they weren't allowed, so they had to go to Jersey and build up a, a replica house and everything. But the actual house, they changed the windows out in front and everything. There's a sign in the front, no trespassing. And, of course, once again, you're not allowed to take pictures. You get chased away, but I walked driveway and I started filming anyway. So, you know, here comes my rebellious <laughs> side comes out all the time. <laughs> I'm gonna if you Apparently. tell me not to do it if you tell me not to do it, I'm gonna figure out a way how to do it. That so. is so funny. Okay. Yeah. Now tell me something. Does that quality work well when it comes to directing or producing a film? Because sometimes you kind of have to walk that line, right? Meaning that there's just some things you can do and some things you can't do. Or do you think the seal there is no ceiling limit? You know, when it comes to you doing work on production or direction, is there a limit for you, or basically you're willing to go out on that limb and do just about anything? You you have to try everything that's possible to go out every limb to go in every possible direction to be different from anybody else. That's that's the way. Sure. If somebody says you can't do this, you're going to figure out how to, a way how to do it. You know, I have people telling me, oh, you can't do that, and I'll work out it and work out it until I get my results that makes me happy. 
Uh, sure, you know, of uh, course. Even even working with uh, a person, uh, I have branched out even from that. Uh, I've gone. I'm working on a couple of new stuff that I didn't even think I was going to get into, but I I got into voiceover work. I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> I did, <laughs> did you have a nice voice? Work. Yeah, okay. I did. I did, a, I did a character. It's 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 supposedly this around Christmas time. It's in Comic Con in Miami. It's supposed to be. The guy's still okay. working on it. I'm playing. Uh, I did a voiceover. I did a whole voiceover of George uh, Admiral George Oakstat, and it's from the Blonde Iguanas from a uh, Rock Noise. Uh, uh, animations. So I did that. Okay. And we're working on uh, one of the guys I'm working with that is a writer right now. I'm working with him. Uh, William J. Campbell the third is a talented young writer that I'm working with right now. He uh, wrote Spellcheck, which uh, won an award for Best Trailer. I'm trying to put the finishing touch on the short movie that's going to be coming out. We're trying to work with that to try and get it into Adult Swim, that channel. And then oh, yeah. he just he just got a uh, thing. Uh, he has a thing called Catastrophe, which is a cartoon that we're going to rework, and it might be signed for thirteen episodes. And I'll do. And he wants me to do the character of the owner of the cat. It's about a cat that gets into trouble all the time, and I'm like the pissed off owner, Italian mafia type pissed off owner. <laughs> That's wow, okay. imagine that. Can you imagine yeah. that? Can you imagine, pay- oh, that's right, some of you don't know what he looks like. I was going to say, well, I could totally picture this, and I can vouch for him. I can totally vouch for this. This is totally right. good so, for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Yeah, so we're working on that. So that's why I mean branching okay. out. That's why I'm saying expectations. Sure. Plus, I'm still working on a couple of other things. Uh, um, I just wrote uh, in a third. I can't, this is, I, wor- I wrote, I never did it before, but a screenplay. Oh, uh, exciting. I did a third. Somebody, uh, a director from L.A., they won part of it. He got stuck. So that young, talented writer that I told you about, he did another Mm -hmm. part, and they were stuck for the end. So he called me up, and I gave him some ideas. So he told me, well, why don't you write it down? So here I go at the typewriter, at the, the, the computer typewriter now. And right. uh, I, I finished 30 pages of uh, that, and I came up with the ending and everything. I put it all with the thing. I did the screenplay, submitted it to him. He loved it, sent it over to the director, and uh, now we're waiting for the results of what's going to happen. We're supposed to do a three-way call in order okay. to uh, to see where is this going to go. And, of course. Uh, the, yeah, and if not, if the writer, if the director doesn't want it, the writer says he wants to get control of it, and then we do it. You know, I'm working on another one. Him, I have to break it down. He did a whole screenplay of a, a movie with another writer uh, from uh, Oregon, uh, Myra, okay. and okay. Uh, Lynn Myra, and uh, it's called Deadly Attraction. It's kind of like. A type Ooh. like a it's kind of like a fatal attraction type movie, but it's Ooh. more with with younger people, not like the the older. It's it's like a a younger guy, maybe in his late twenties or something like that. And, gotcha. Uh, 
and it's uh, with a girlfriend that gets a little crazy, that type of thing. But I, I read it, he sent me the screenplay. I liked it, so now I'm breaking it down to each. I have to break it down to each set, each scene, and after how many people are at the scene, I have to get a budget. I told him with that. He says he's sure. raised the money, and we might be working on that. But I have to. I have to. This guy is gets go 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 go. After I says wait. He's the one that did spell check. I said, let's finish with spell check and get that out first. So the other stuff sure. won't be to maybe the beginning of wait to that time. We got a lot of things coming up. So that's gotcha. what we've been doing from here. You know, plus the other well, ones. I wrote down the other ones. You got the, the same the things I did, right? Yeah, of course. Um, actually, I wanted to ask about because I know you've done the producer had the director that obviously, as you said, you've written the screenplay. Now, tell me two different things. I wanted to find out from you. Which do you enjoy the most, and which is the most challenging for you, and why? Go ahead. See, somebody's trying to get through. Hello? Oh, hello? hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. Somebody's oh, okay. ringing me. Me too. My, my phone always goes off here. That's right, weird. Okay. Yeah, so we were asking, or I was asking, I should say, because you've worn these different hats, meaning you've been a producer, you've been a director, you've written a screenplay, et cetera, so you've done multiple different areas. My question to you was, tell me which one that you prefer to do the most and which one do you find most challenging and why? Uh, believe it or not, is putting the whole thing together as producing. Really? I, I'm, huh. I'm, a crea- I'm a creative type of guy. I like to bring this here. I like to get involved with getting the actors in there, seeing what's going to okay. go. I like virtually almost every aspect. i I I just I just got a, acquired a book uh, a screenplay for dummies. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, everything okay. I said is like that because what they do is they break it down, they put it in words that you can understand. They don't give you okay. the big technical words. You sure. know, uh, so I like to have it like that. So now I'm learning that aspect, which I, I had okay. to learn the producing, I had to learn the direction, I had to learn uh, uh, putting together, breaking down. Uh, I'm still working at trying to uh, work up uh, crowd crowd uh, funding and everything, uh, right? Because you have to get you know investors when you do a movie. Right. Lately, when I do my short films, it's my own investment on my own short films because those are short films. There's no big budget. Right. No, even my big big budgets, I try and trim down and keep that to a smaller budget. I mean, that's, sure. uh, you know, I'm an independent filmmaker, so I don't really deal with the, I don't like, I don't, at this time, at this phase of the game, I'm not dealing with the agents of uh, the young actors. It's it's me trying to give the young actors a start. Right. It's like we're all, like we're all getting a start together. That's how I put it. That's why I came up right. with the, uh, with fun pictures. Fun pictures is uh I was just going to ask I'm about that. Together. Yeah, that was company I put together, and that's for a lot of, like, young actors coming into the business. I like to deal with people that, you know, I, I, you know other actors and all, but, you know, uh, it, it's not like a SAG. This is independent. I mean, uh, that's how I'm doing it at this point until I set everything up. I don't know. I like the independent type thing. I'm kind of uh, one of my idols, uh, well, two of my idols in the filmmaking business, is uh, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. Ah. 
And those are the Ooh, two. Now- Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez is the one that I kind of like model off of. That was that's my because he's the guy with no nonsense. He likes to be loose with his actors. Right. He likes them right. to figure it out. He's not like a very technical guy, but he gets the hmm. results. Definitely. And, and I've seen I his have. work, and it's impressive. I mean, it really is. It's impressive how sometimes you can take you can take a little bit of material and make it to a whole lot of something. And I say that all the time. I think people use a whole lot of words to get points across when they don't need to, which I find rather interesting, actually. Um, by the way, fun folks, fun pictures is F-U-N-N, not F-U-N, which I thought was so cool. Right. I'm like, he's got the big capital letters F-U-N-N. That is, you do that yeah. on purpose so as not to be the norm because yeah, you're that rebellious? <laughs> no, I, I did that because if there's anybody else with a name like that, <laughs> it, it'll be F-U-N. They won't have F-U-N-N. <laughs> See, now I would have pictured F-U pictures, but we can't say that because that would be wrong yeah, to say yeah, F-U no, pictures. Not... But, yeah. yeah, it is an Italian thing, right? I mean, you are, and you are Italian, right? right? Okay, there yes, you go. Um, Just um, um, that's, a, that's a crazy story because I'm, I'm part Sicilian and part uh, Nobili Don, uh, Naples, which is really? at that time – when, that time when my parents got married, uh, the Sicilians okay. were considered considered gangsters, you know, right. that type of uh, atmosphere. So sure. they hated my father at the beginning. You know, he was a gangster, but my father was very, very, I mean, he was over his mother-in-law. He, he fixed everything in the house. I mean, because his father was a builder. My grandfather was on my uh, mother's side, on my father's side, was a builder. Mm-hmm. He helped okay. build a lot of Jersey. He worked and he built a lot of stuff with Jersey. He worked, uh, he had a, a contract to work. In fact, the guy that, that he worked for was part of when, uh, you know, when the uh, uh, stock market crashed and everybody was jumping out the buildings and all. Well, his boss was one of the guys that did that. Okay. So then he didn't have a job, and he started doing all kinds of small construction work, my grandfather. So my father, he taught my father. My father was in the service, so my father Uh would go and fix anything. My grandmother would wind those, and so they saw, oh, he's not like that. He's a nice guy. (laughs) So that's what, you know, because, uh, you know, on the other thing, my grandfather on my mother's side, he was a barber, you know, and. Oh he owned a little God. bar. He owned a little bar. He had Tony's bar. I said, that was the thing. Uh, yeah, you interviewed Jack. It was something that was connected with me and Jack. I was going to ask about that, as a matter of fact. To those that have listened in, of course, because, you know, I just interviewed, obviously, the man himself. That was such an exciting – I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the interview. But what oh, was yeah. Neat I, about... told I told him. Yeah, I told him. I listened to the whole interview. It was, I I think what I, what I was surprised about folks is obviously, you know, if you remember him from his role in Superman, he was just this huge guy. I can remember him back in the day and thinking, oh my God, he is so intimidating. Even looking at the pictures, you know what I mean? Before I interviewed him, before I talked to him, he was always very lovely, by the way, off air, anytime I spoke with him, blah, blah, blah. But you know, he's very larger than life in a lot of senses, not just physically. So when you speak to someone who has that legendary background, you know what I mean? It brings so much to the table because he's a a creative chameleon, I call you people um it was amazing to me and it was and then of course when steve joiner mentioned that you had this backstory with him i thought oh my gosh this is so cool so you should tell everybody your backstory how you guys are connected because i think that's neat uh do you, do you know about his father yes i do albert yes. yeah yes yeah, albert, albert anastasia I, is jack's father okay go ahead right 
Well, my so now- uh, grand my grandfather on my mother's side it was a barber by trade, but he owned a bar. Okay. And a lot okay. of the wise guys, a lot of the wise guys, hung out at the bar. It was called Tony's Bar, and that sure. was on that was in uh, that was in Cyprus on East New York. It was East New York on Eastern Parkway? It was like on a okay. corner or something like that. And uh, sure, his father, among other things, used to go hang out at the bar. And then my, you know, my grandfather, uh, a lot of some people, you know. Uh, gave him the money to open up his own barber shop because he was a barber by trade. So they all went to get their hair cut at his shop, basically. How cool. That is so cool. And Jack's father was one of, you know, that. Now, to take it even further, my uncle, who I'm named after, my uncle Carmine, he's passed away Mm -hmm. a lot before, uh, his middle name was Albert. And when I've got my confirmation name, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at my communion, my communion name was Joseph, but then you need confirmation, you get another godfather. So I picked my Uncle Carmine, but we don't want Carmine, Joseph Carmine. So I said, well, <laughs> you know, what's your middle sure. name? He says, well, I'm going to give you right. my middle name, which is Albert. So I'm going, okay. Albert. So I said to him, well, Albert. And he didn't tell me this until like years later. I kept bothering him. Sure. Why is it Albert? Where'd you get Albert? And then he said to me that his, uh, well, this is the story I heard, that uh-huh. his godfather was Albert Anastasia. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Oh, that my was his gosh. godfather. Because my grandfather cut the hair, I guess he was, you know, they became good friends or something like that. And then right. that was it. And that's how I got Albert. And wow. That's the story, that's amazing. That's the story I heard. So then, you know, when Jack called out, me and Jack talked about it and everything. I said, listen, I was, you know, I don't know. This is the story. I, nobody's around. I called up my uh, my cousin, my older cousin, which is around Jack's age, and mm-hmm. that's the son of my uncle Combine. And he says he wasn't he wasn't even sure of that. But he, he oh, told wow. me about the bar. He told me that. Okay. My my cousin, the son, was estranged, basically estranged from his father at an early age. So he really okay. didn't know. He he went on his own when he was like seventeen, eighteen years old. So right, gotcha. So Got he it. doesn't really know what is exactly. All I know is what my what my uncle told me. Right, <laughs> plus gotcha. A lot of a lot of in in the boss my. Uncle Common used to manage a bar in the city that Pat Cooper used to play in. So there's a lot of wise guys coming in and out of that club. In fact, I remember when he was managing the club and I was real, real young, they used to, because uh, my father used to help him in the kitchen over there, because my father would take all these odd jobs because we mm-hmm. went to Catholic school. Me right. and my two brothers, all, we all went to Catholic school, and you had to pay for the Catholic school. So my father would work like three jobs in order to put us through. So one of the jobs was helping my uh helping my uh uncle at the bar so he was like in a cook you know, he learned in the navy how to cook and everything. So so I was the wild one. I was the young I was the middle child. So my ah. uncle, my younger brother wasn't born yet. So I was the wild one. So they had my gotcha. my older brother had asthma. 
So he was the one that was, you know, oh, he he could get sick and then that. But me, I was the wild one. They threw me out in the street at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, go out and get some air, you know, in Brooklyn, that's what they do. So my father used to take me wherever he went to work. So one of the places he took me was my uh, uncle's bar. So here I was sweeping the floor at a very young age, I would say five or six, uh, sweeping the floor of a bar for a quarter. Of course, a quarter at that time. Of course, the quarter at that time got you a lot of things. There's a candy store right, right. across the street. So uh, mm-hmm. I used to run across the candy store at 15 cents to get me a Coke, uh, a package of baseball cards, and a gum inside of the package which also. So that was my spending money. Nice. So, Look at yeah, that so back in the day, folks. Yeah, so that's what I used to do in the early days. When I, I was always trying to make money somewhere. Uh, you know, there was a lot of weird things that I did in order to make money. I was always, uh, talk about a hustler, I was like one of the early hustlers at six and seven years old. You know, <laughs> just to make just to make like a quarter, ten cents, a dollar, you know, just to pay. That, I got used to paying my way. That, like I said, it all branched off when I got older because my parents always brought me up is we get with, you know, We'll provide you with everything we can afford. If you want anything on right. your own, you go out and work for it. So here I sure. am trying to get any money to get what I want. That's when I got my first job because, you know, at 16. And uh, and then I was, uh, you know, working and uh, I, w- I got any stuff. Then They didn't bother me once I got, you know, I was always dressing kind of weird. You know, because, you know, my biggest idol was Elvis, so I had to, like, take that type of trend. You know, oh, my gosh. I found a, I found a clothing store uh, in Freeport, kind of like when he had his Beale Street uh, thing. It was a clothing store where I can get some good clothes, but they were, like, something with, like, a little grip in it or something or maybe a defect, and he would sell to me real cheap. So oh, yeah. This, okay. Like, I would have all these kind of crazy clothes, you know, kind sure. of the way sure. Elvis was growing up, just to be different from everybody that's else. Cool. And that's that what I have. Cool. In fact, my mother gave me, as, when I graduated in 1972, my mother gave me as a graduation present, my father gave me a graduation present, a, a car. A car okay. that didn't work. A car that didn't work. <laughs> oh, nice. That's impressive. He paid, he paid $50 for the car. He says, Tomlin, if you want to drive that car, go out, get a job, work, and then get the money to fix the cost to drive. So eventually I did that. And then my mother got oh. me my mother got me two tickets to see Elvis at Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, my gosh. So, that must have been like so, a heavenly affair. Oh, my God. I'm jealous. Yeah, that 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 was great at that time. I I had a regular camera with me, pictures, thinking that, you know, not knowing anything about photography or anything. Sure. Thinking that they're going to come out. One picture came out, and Elvis was the size of a, I think, a thumbtack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the picture. That's a, <laughs> it's Probably the lights were just right at that time that it captured his thing. Now I gotta find okay. that picture because I I don't know where that picture ever went. I used to keep that picture with me all the time, and now between all the moving from uh, Freeport to right. Florida, to Florida back to uh, Oceanside, Long Island, this is we're at we're staying because uh, my um, 
my wife's parents. We sold my house in Florida. My wife's parents okay. uh, are very old, so she wanted to spend their last days with her, with them. She wanted to right. spend her last days, you know, with the last days with the of parents. Her mother, her mother passed away uh, early in the year, and her father has Alzheimer's right now. So we're just like uh, taking care of the household sure. and everything. Of course. Uh, Doing the stuff he, he, has a nurse, he has a nurse with him 24, not 24 hours, uh, probably like a 9 to 6 that they're here. And then gotcha. we take care of him that night. So, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. So, so you've uh, got a lot there. That, that's, that's what so brought, brought us here to Long Island once again. <laughs> and we're right. on Oceanside. So I don't get to go into the city that much. When we first moved here, I was going into Chinatown a lot. Oh, nice. My, uh, I've been there. I like it there. Yeah. We went to Mott Street. We went to Chinatown and everything. Little Italy uh, is right there. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Little Italy. The, Where's yeah, Little Italy gone, one. I should say? Yeah, it's right next to Chinatown. You go over the block to Mott Street. Yeah, right. Is, uh, but the, yeah, but you, you blink and you miss it. It's like it used to be so big, and now it's down to like four blocks. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is depressing because, well, right, it used to be much right, bigger. It, it, yeah, even Chinatown's like that. Everything you go through right. is like real small now. You know, I so, know, uh, and it's disappointing. I'm like, this is really kind of a bummer to me because I love. I would live in Little Italy if I could. I mean, I'm there all the time. Every time I go there, I always have dinner. I have lunch there, whatever. It's lovely. Right. Somebody actually, somebody was bugging me about going to, um, oh, Arthur Avenue. Have you been to Arthur Avenue? They're like, you haven't been to Little Italy till you get to the Bronx and you go to the, I think that's the Bronx, right? Little Italy? Uh, well, that no, area. No, it's not really the Bronx. It's uh, it's in the city. It's in Manhattan, little literally. Oh, it basically. is. Yeah, yeah, especially in Manhattan. No. It's not the Bronx. I mean, if you, I mean. No, somebody said there's is, another little Italy, the one that's on Arthur Avenue, but I haven't been no, there before. You know what they're so talking I'm curious about? about that. No, what they're talking about is in Brooklyn and Queens. There's different sections ah, where you yeah. have a majority of each people. Like you would have Italian in one section, you have Korean in another section. You know, Got it. See, where I, where I grew up, I grew up in Bushwick. Now, Bushwick was multi-culture. Uh, uh, Everybody okay. was there. I mean, we sure. had black, we had Spanish, we had German, we had Polish, we had Italian. It was, everybody was mixed. Everybody was together. I had friends sure. of all, and that's how I grew up. I grew up like that, you know. So it wasn't. I I didn't come from that one type of area, but there are like one area where there's a lot of Italians, where there's a lot of that. No, that's sure. in the, either in the Bronx or in Brooklyn or Queens. That's where. But Manhattan itself, that's that's the actual little Italy with all the restaurants. If you want to call it like a little right. Italy on the Bronx, those are areas where there are Italian restaurants, Italian neighborhoods, and then there's another just like with, with uh, Korean neighborhoods, Chinese neighborhoods. That's how sure. uh, Brooklyn and New York is all set up, basically. Everybody yeah, is together, right. and you have you have. That's why they says New York being in New York is the best. We're, we're all we all work as one over here, or, or try to work Amen. as one. <laughs> exactly. No, I agree. Now I have questions here. Now, obviously, of course, fun. Fun Pictures is your production company. So, of course, I'm assuming that all of your films are going to be done under that blanket. But also, are you working with fellow filmmakers? And can you foresee using Fun Pictures as an outlet to 
to kind of co-mingle with other producers and directors to well, produce that, other that's things? What, that's what we're working on right now. There's a, another okay. company I work with. You see the uh, on it's EDK. EDK is yep. my friends that yep. come out of Florida. And, gotcha. And uh, it, it, it would say EDK with fun pictures, and it say that. You know, we say, gotcha. you know, slash on pitches. Uh, I'm also probably, uh, I'm going to be under talks with uh, FT, uh, FTP. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, that's the one coming out of uh, Arkansas. Okay. And that's uh, Forbidden Tears, that's Forbidden Tears Productions. Uh, gotcha. She does a lot of things. She did... Uh, Flowers in the Snow, she has a lot, she signs a lot of people to record things. In fact, I think that's who the one, that's FTP is the one that wants to sign the 13 episodes of, ah, gotcha. uh, of Catastrophe. So we're gotcha. still in the talks with that. So uh, okay. that's what, you know, I, I branch out to everything and call out. If you want to do something with me, that's great. You know, that's how oh, I sure. said it's fun. Fun pitches were easy. <laughs> well, and, the other, and you bring you bring up a seriously interesting point, which is this: um, talk a little bit about to the listeners uh, having persistence and patience. I think that a lot of people that get into this industry, you know, they allow their dream to to drive them, which is what should happen. But then I think a lot of times, without that that persistence as well as patience. You're always expecting in the next five minutes, oh, I'm going to do this film. It's going to be the, the next greatest can thing, which it could be. But you know what I mean? Talk a little bit about in your experiences how patience and persistence has paid off for you in the long run, and you've actually produced something that's really been quality work because of the element of patience or persistence. Yeah, well, what I had to do is I had to learn it too because I, I was very uh, – I. I've seen in a lot of young people today, even the guy that I'm dealing with now, you know, come on, others mm-hmm. are like, whoa, whoa, slow down, <laughs> take a breather, right. and complete one thing before you move on to another. And, you know, right. until you get it right. I mean, everybody, I still have that. I still want to go into this. I still, My mind works almost 24 hours. I have a hard time sleeping. And I guess that comes <laughs> from maybe my DJ days, but uh, I go to bed sometimes 2 o'clock, 2 in the morning, and and my my wife gets me up because i got to take her to work, and sometimes sure. I work with her, and then function all day. I wake up at uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Right. And, and go basically all day long. Gotcha. And, and this, this is my everyday thing. Sometimes I'll be sitting there, and, I, and I'll just fall asleep while I'm just sitting up. Sometimes I'll be standing and somebody goes to me, are you sleeping? I said, no, I'm just resting my mind. And, and, <laughs> I like that. Right, and just resting my mind. That's why I can I can stand up and rest my mind. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's going to take a lot of patience. And you can't get, like I said before, you can't get, you know, discouraged. You're going to have a lot of right. business. You're going to have a lot of criticism. People are going to love you. People are going to hate you. And right. You're going to have to, like, focus on what you have to do. Uh, don't get insulted. Uh, some people say things to me and they think that I get insulted, you know, and, and, I, and I'll and say to them, just, no, you know, you have your opinion and you put Now I'll work on that. Right. <laughs> now I'll work I don't. With, I totally know, get it. Yeah, if, you, if, if somebody's got an opinion about you, you know, uh, 
you could take it. I, half the times I'll take it with a grain of salt, but then I'll figure out what was good about it and what was bad about it. But sometimes people will just say something nasty just to be nasty. So you have to separate that to what you focus on. And and another thing I had to do was uh, a lot of people are going to have to do it. I had a lot of rage inside me, a lot of hate of what I went through, especially uh, mm-hmm. with my, uh, about it must have been, it's about almost five years now. My younger brother was killed in Florida, ran over by a car, and, and I had a lot of rage and and hate in me at that time. And, okay. Uh, I had I had to get over that too, and just accept what was going on, and 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 just move on. And and once you let go of that hate, you see you. See, See a lot of things uh, clearer. Right. And I, I was at one time a real big drinker. Somebody asked me one time, well, what did you drink? I said, everything. <laughs> <laughs> and that was coming well, out well, of but... DJing. DJing. Right. And uh, I don't drink them. I haven't drank in over four years now. And oh, wow. I won't okay. drink. I want, to live, I want to live a healthy life. <laughs> Uh, I eat right, I eat sensible, I look for ingredients of what I'm eating, like my intake, and uh, that's how I like to live. I says, I'm going to get the most, whatever I have left in life, I'm getting the most out of it (laughs) before anything happens. I like that. I've seen seen enough tragedy in my life to, you get kind of numb after a while. I mean, when you first find out with tragedy, uh, you can't accept it. When my mother passed away, she was only uh, 51, 52. I think 52 oh, wow. She passed away of terminal cancer. That was gotcha. uh, that was the biggest thing. I was only, I think, 22 at that time when that happened. Okay. And that gotcha. was my big, you know, you never had that person close to you do that. I mean, I, she was diagnosed. I knew it was good, but you never realize it's going to happen. Until it oh, happens. of course, I know. Right. And then I was all broken up. And and then, you know, uh, again, I had to let go of every... I found out every time I let go of the hate and let go of the anger, something good happened to me. I mean, after after that, I, I was very angry. And after that, I let go of the hate. Is when I met my wife. Aww. And that was something Aww. good that happened. On that, because beforehand, Aww. beforehand I was having a lot of trouble with girls. I mean, breakups and you know, and all that, right. and sure. being you know, uh, uh, girls cheating on you and this and that. And then I became numb to that mm. situation, and I said nobody's ever going to that. And then my wife came into my life, and she was very supportive and everything. And I had you know, so. When one door closes, another door opens. The door opens. I agree with right. you. And you. I have get it. To let it. You have to let it open. Don't let it close. Let it open and go and walk through that door. Because I've done that over and over again, and I'm still doing right. it. Right. Exactly. Uh, I think yeah. we all still are. No matter what age right. we are, every day is a door opening experience. That's for sure. No, I don't want to forget to talk about two different big things, which is I want you to talk about two different films, of course, that you're involved in. First of all, Why Live? I want you to talk about that because 
I don't know that most people are familiar with the types of different work that you've done. And I personally, and, and what I have learned of you, I see that you're, you're not type specific, meaning that you don't do one type of genre or one specific sort of role. You're kind of all over the board, similar to that chameleon I was talking about. So first off, um, give them a little summarization of what to expect in the uh, production of Why Live, because I don't know that most people are familiar with this or your work in right. general, I should say. Why, why Live? Uh, just came to me what happened with Why Live. Well, I told you, something will form in my head. Uh, right. It was around Halloween uh, last year, and uh, down the block from me, there's a guy that, that fixes up his house, and he puts all kinds of, like, zombie figures and everything, really goes all out. So I said, let me go down okay. and film it. Let me go down and film mm-hmm. it. So I went down, and I filmed all these characters, and I moved around, and I kind of like trying to make them lifelike. And then I came back to the house and I said, how am I going to make this work? I want to put a film together. How am I going to make this work? So then I mm-hmm. thought about, all right, how about uh, global warming and <laughs> zombies, which the big thing today, big craze today is zombies. I know. Right? I know. So I said, Huge. let me put this together. Okay. So I said, let me put this together. So what I did was... Uh, I kind of created and took stock footage. Hmm. Okay. And I put stock footage and I put stock footage around the zombie uh, genre around there, and I tried to form uh, a story. So, what story can I get? Well, how about global warming and how people can affect the environment? This is what's going to happen. So here I use the elements of right. tidal waves, the element of snow, which that film that I used snow was actual a film of my uh, old neighborhood that gotcha. uh, my aunt, that my aunt filmed uh, back in the fifties of uh, one of the big snowstorms that was in New York, in Brooklyn. Gotcha. And I used that as stock footage. I used the other thing. I use. Uh, all kinds of things I put together on why live and how are we going to deal with this? And all of a sudden uh, the night falls and if we lose everything, what is going to, what's going to emerge? And what has emerged was the zombies. They came out Ah. of the dark. And that was in the film. They come out of the dark and they're going to take over everything. Now, how are we going to stop this? How is everything? And then you're going to see at the end, the atomic bomb blows up the world. How oh, the my world gosh. It, it clears out the whole thing. You're going to see uh, nothing is left. Everything is, is looking like a desert. So how are we going to live? And then you're going to see flowers, how the earth comes back, and oh, how cool. we have to start and how we have to start over. The, longer, the shorter version ends with just the flowers coming up. Gotcha. The longer okay. version shows how we have to cultivate the earth again. Gotcha. In order to relive. That's cool. That is and awesome. That's, and it's, it's it. won, it won a whole bunch of awards. And, yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. I noticed, too. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to mention this, the second one. I just saw it noticed not so long ago, actually, the uh, – the movie Spellcheck had actually won a certificate, right, from the Cinefest for the best movie trailer. That wasn't that long ago, was it? 
Uh, which one? Because you're involved that? with Spellcheck. Spellcheck. Oh yeah, Spellcheck. I had seen yeah. and noticed about it. Yeah, that wasn't so long ago that it was awarded for best movie trailer. So I thought to myself, he should probably talk about that film as well. Um, yeah, that's what I was saying. That's the one with the young writer, William J. Campbell the third. That's yep. the guy I'm starting to do some work with. He came up nice. with the idea. Uh, I saw uh, a short film that he did with it, and I looked at it, and I, I saw what was good in it, and, I, and he says that they tried to pass it and it didn't go anywhere. So I says, all right, ah. let me take it, let me take it, let me pick it apart. So I took out sure. the best parts of it, and then I okay. added some parts to it, and then I okay. did a trailer to it, and the trailer is the one that won the way I did the trailer. I did the trailer and oh, just cool. here for it. And the trailer won the award. And right. the film, like I, I was explaining before, the film is being uh, uh, almost finished. And that film is, uh, I'm talking with different people. I'm trying to get some other stars that's going to do cameos in it towards the end. And uh, that's supposed to go into, like, the major festivals. That okay, gotcha. Going to, that's going into the major festivals. The other, cause Got it. If you, go on, if you go on film festivals, there's like 2,000 films. There's films all over the world. I had films right. that placed that placed all over the world, from, I mean, anywhere from Australia to London to, uh, uh, to Germany, uh, uh, Japan, China. Sure. Uh, they're all available that you can put in, and and they have placed in them. Uh, some of them won a little bit, but you know it doesn't get that much notice when it's when it's you know in another country. Except they see. Of course, it. I get I get right. contacted from people from other, different countries now. Well, and that's the that, that's one of the coolest parts of independent film festivals is the opportunity to network to get the to get your exposure to get your work out there without necessarily having that huge production budget, et cetera. You know what I mean? It's a great right. means and, of exposure for people. And there's, I try to tell people this because there's people that screenwrite, and I said that there's uh, areas that you can go for screenwriting too. And I try to encourage my uh, one of my nephews was going to film mm-hmm. school. And I was telling them, now my grandniece is kind of like talking like that. And I says, listen, there are different uh, things in in the film festivals where you could go in as a student. If you're in school, there's some things, if you're 18 and under, you just have to have a permission slip or a permission sign right. from your parents in order to go ahead. But you can enter at that age. There are festivals for that age and first-time filmmaking. Right, so you can get into that at an early age. Oh, I know, I know. You know, and, and, and that's a lot the of people don't. That. Under, yeah, they don't know about that. Plus, if you're a screenwriter, they have screenwriting uh, parts too in a festival, and you can do that also. Exactly. That's what I mean. It opens up so many doors of opportunity, and that's one of the coolest parts about what we have now versus years ago when you just had this right. straight well, set studio it, stuff. Right. When I did it, I started uh, my first film in 1973, and that was, I told you, Super 8. And I didn't know nothing about filmmaking. I was a martial artist, so I figured I would do a karate movie like Bruce Lee. So that's what I did. I had uh, friends that went to film school, and they, my first time, they gave me my first camera, which was a regular 8 camera, and they showed me Uh how to work, and and they helped film it and then I got everybody in the neighborhood involved in it 
you know, and we did the film. Right now, I'm editing the film on the computer and put sound effects all in the film, like the, the karate punches and everything. I'm putting right. that all in the film. Once I finish with it and get all the sound and everything right, of course, there's no talking because I didn't know how to put the talking at that time. So you're going to see, like, signs and, and, and things that will tell you what's going on in the movie. Sure. Plus, it's, it's, it's all action anyway. I'm, uh, I air it on, I'm going to air it on Facebook and see what happens. It was a cult thing in my own neighborhood. Everybody always talked about the movie Face the Wind. That was the name of the movie. And gotcha. I had everybody involved in the neighborhood on that. But at an early age, that's what I was doing. But you didn't have what you have now. There was right. no way. I tried to do a second film, which was Five Into Hell, which was more into different styles of the karate we were using in that one. And right. we were looking to put it in a festival, but at that time you couldn't. There was nothing really open oh, sure. for it unless you had, unless oh, no. you had a major... Unless you had a major, uh, you know, I, I mean, the only festivals at that time was probably like Sundance or something like that. And you're not, right. you're not going to see the light of day with that one, you know, if oh, you're like a, no. a beginning filmmaker. You know, that, those were like untouchable at that time. I'm talking about 1973, right. 74, around that time. So that, that's Two years ago. Yeah, so right now the, the advantage is all over. I mean, it, it's there. At the, it's at the grasp of your fingertips. All you got to do right. is go for it. I tell everybody, well, just do it, you know. What are you waiting around for, you know? You can, you can talk that you want to do it, but actually do it. It's like uh, my... My grandniece is talking. I always want to do it. I says, well, why don't I help you? You've got to listen to me, though. Right. And of course. To, you know, because you don't know, understand this, and I can show you what to do, and I can help you. And, I, you know, and eventually you can work with me. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I, would like I to, love it. I would like to have family work with me. I try to oh, get of course. You know, everybody involved so that I have is – uh, if I trust uh, you and everything, that's the people that mm-hmm. I have uh, that closest to me. Just like this new uh, young writer, uh, William, me and him talking. We never met, basically, but we talk a lot on the phone, and he tells me a lot of things. He has got a lot. I see he's got a lot of good ideas in him. He just didn't have the right connections to uh, get started. Now he's all excited sure. again. He was all depressed. Now he's all excited because he won. That spell check, that won an award, he won his first award. So he's all nice. excited now. It's exciting. And it is exciting, of course, definitely. Now I have to say, oh, my gosh, can you believe it? It's been almost an hour and a half. And now I have to go wow. be a mommy and I have to go get my babies. <laughs> um, there's a couple of quick business things I have to do here for you folks that are listening in. Carmine's name, and it's spelled Carmine is C-A-R-M-I-N-E. I'm going to spell his last name. It's Cardona, which is C-A-R-D-O-N-N-A. Oh, no, it's C- can be- no, it's C, it's C- Caradona. That's, what it <gasps> That's is. right. C-A-R-A. That's then- right. D-O-N-N-A. In Sassy fact, Cindy, I should know that. In fact, it means dear woman or dear lady in Italian. Oh, I love it. I do. So just to correct that, C-A-R-A-D-O-N-N-A, if you're looking for him on Facebook, because he has a personal page, he has a LinkedIn page. Um, go and to I YouTube just because you can up, check out that stuff. 
And I just opened up an IMDB page. Yay! I was just going to ask you about that. So now he can officially yeah. be found where we find all the movie stars, of course, which is IMDB. Right, yeah, now I've got to fill it all. I was working on some of it today, and I've got to because everything isn't there yet. So I'm still you working betcha. on putting more stuff and everything. I mean, they want pictures. Now I finally got my picture up there. They put oh, me nice. in earlier. After, the, <laughs> I, after I won... After I won a couple of awards, they automatically put me there, but no pictures. Oh, they did put, look at that. They did oh, put gosh. a picture. They did put a picture of Why Live, the poster of Why Live, because that won so many awards. Ah, they I got gotcha. you. So, of course, without me doing that anything, makes sense. They oh, did that. my gosh. They did that. Look at that. And then they, they wanted oh, me, gosh. so now I finally, okay, now I'm going to join. I you said, betcha. I said that. I have to have some things to put down, don't I? And this goes back to, like, years ago when I was doing the background work. I, oh, I got to tell you something. Uh, your favorite guy, Michael Madsen, right? Yes, Michael Madsen. Right. He was in <laughs> the about episode. Him? I was, he was in the episode. <gasps> I was in Miami Vice. Oh, oh my gosh. And you've done the started. presence of greatness. Oh, That's, my God. Because I, I was in the first season. Uh, it was the episode with Burt Young, Burt Young and okay. Michael Madsen. Oh, yeah, Burt Young. I remember Burt Young, actually. One of yeah, my friends, right. actually, a director friend, just cast him in a movie. And I was like, oh, my God, I totally know who Burt Young is. Rocky, which is the 40-year yeah. thing just yesterday, yeah. turned 40 years old. Burt Young is amazing. Oh, my God. So, so this is when he first started out. Like, oh, my God. That was, that was when he first started. I don't even remember what he did in there. I, you know, I probably didn't even know who he was. I probably met him. Didn't even know it. You know, yeah, he's time. become a, a so. bit of a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, he's oh, become he's, a bit of my real, thing. He's on my page well, all the time now. Well, he got real. He got real big from Reservoir Dogs, which was well, of course, you know, in the Quentin Tarantino yeah. thing. And you know, right. I, and what kills me is it's become the running joke because obviously you follow me on Facebook, I, and I'm, I'm not kidding when I tell people that I've literally been trying for over a year to interview him. And I think I've reached a stature where I've, I've accomplished enough to do it. It's just nowadays we live in a society where it's crazy. I mean. To have to work this hard to get an interview with him is just, it's getting right. to that point where it's like, really? Well, I mean, well, I, I love mean, him, but you, he's not God, you're, you're, <laughs> you know? You're, you're dealing with an agent and everything. That's I know. Problem. And a publicist you're, you're and with yeah, filmmakers. Oh, right. it's crazy. Right. Absolutely I not. Friends, I got friends that became big stars and uh, like sure. John Tatora. John Tatora. Oh, I love I him. Was, I was good friends with his brother, Ralph Tatora. Sure. That was the oldest one. The oldest one was Ralphie. Gotcha. Ralphie was the artist. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Ralphie. I met John okay. once. A couple, no, a couple of times. He used to come to a club where I was a DJ at on Long I Island. bet he was a real crack. I mean, I just, I love you know, his body work, like Sugar Time. I love that movie. You, He's amazing. I'm going to tell, tell you a little something about John that, that goes back uh, about that time. Uh, you know, his brother is really crazy, so, but we were off, but we were like brothers. There was another guy, Rock, Rocky and Ralphie. They were the team. Rocky and Ralphie's show we used to call. Him. Ralphie okay. was uh, was a, was the brother of John. So they were finally taking John out, because John was the younger brother out. So he took him out right. to my club. Here was John Toro and Ralph Toro mm-hmm. hanging out in front of the ladies' room. The bathroom, oh my ladies God. Bathroom. <laughs> and okay. I says, well, why are you hanging out in front of the ladies' bathroom? He says, because you know all the women are going to go there. 
Oh my god! So they were god. trying to pick up. They were trying to pick up <laughs> girls in front of the ladies' room. Oh my god! How and, funny is and that? And then he he came up to me. He introduced himself. He says, "Oh yeah." I says, "Oh yeah." He says, "I was I did, just did a background appearance in Raging Bull. He was in the background. It was his first appearance." Oh yeah. Raging Bull, yeah. I remember. Yeah, he, he was a background in the audience. He was like in the audience, right. I guess, when they were doing the part where he was trying to be a comedian, Jake LaMotta. Sure. I met Jake Yeah. I met Jake LaMotta, too. I worked for Jake LaMotta's son. Jake LaMotta's son was a supervisor of DJs in, in Florida. Okay. So I worked with him, too. So, uh, yeah, so uh, he says, oh, someday I'm, I'm I'm trying to be a movie star. Someday I'm going to be a movie star. So I like pat him on the hand. Says, yeah, all right, John. Yeah, yeah I believe you. That's <laughs> what oh happens. <laughs> so you never Look at know. That. That's exactly <laughs> right. My gosh. Now, before right. I let you go, because I have to go and be mommy now. i got to pick up two of my okay. beautiful babies. Get ready for Thanksgiving. Listen up, folks. One more time, I want to remind everybody he is on Facebook. He is on LinkedIn. He's on YouTube. Do not want to forget. This is now the third time that Mr. Steve Joyner has blessed me with the individuals in his life that he knows. So from me to you, of course, in case I haven't said it a million times already, Steve Joyner, I love you and I appreciate you. And I cannot thank you enough for the talent that you bring to my show, to my face. And I can't wait to have him on my show because I am going to be interviewing Steve. Steve. So I'm very excited about that. He is terrific. Now, the last thing I do is you get to finally listen to me for two minutes. I'm going to tell you what I think of you. And the reason why I do this when it comes to the people that come on my show is because most oftentimes they don't always know who you are. Then you come on my show. I give a little introspect in terms of who you are. So I like to finish up just so that you and I both know exactly what I think of you. And then I'm going to shoot out the door. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you again. And I'm going to see you when I come to New York City. I'm sure. So these are my impressions of Carmine. Carmen and I have been chit-chatting for quite some time, and I've had to reschedule him more than once. So first of all, the first thing I learned about him is, yes, believe it or not, folks, he does have patience. He does have persistence, and he is so charming. From the very first time I spoke to him, you would think he was 62 or 63 going on 40 years old. He's very charming. He's very clever. He's very funny. I find his he, – he has a knack about making everything interesting, every story he tells every joke he offers, every lighthearted story that he shares with you always has the intent of making you laugh or smile because he does care about you, he does care about his work, and he does care about the fact that he has liberal freedom and spirit to do and produce and direct what he wants. So far, the work that I've seen that he's produced and or directed and or put his hands on turns to gold, so to speak. And what do I find interesting about that? The fact that he is not 40 years old, years old. The fact that he has revealed to you that he is an older individual who's coming into a very long existing industry and saying, I'm going to establish myself by my rules, my way. And in my opinion, his rules and his way work out not only very well for him, but I find it very amusing, very interesting, and very entertaining. I do hope in the course of this last hour that you learn that Carmen is not just funny, but he is also very smart. He is also very talented, and I think he is just absolutely nothing short of a fabulous human being. I'm so blessed that I got an opportunity to meet you, at least on air, and I can't wait to see you in person. And certainly I can't wait to see more of your work. And thank you so much for taking this time to come on my show. Yes, yes. You're finally, yeah. finally, finally, we got a chance to do that. And I'm sure we'll be talking off air as well, but thank you so much. And just okay. so you know, everybody who's following you within two hours, this will be an archived episode. So anybody can go back, listen to it all year round now. 
Okay, thank you. I can you tell bet. everybody All right, honey. missed the show to go look for it. Thank <laughs> you. That's exactly right. You have the link. You can do that, and we'll talk afterwards. And have a great afternoon and a wonderful Thanksgiving. All right. And you, too, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you, honey. Your family. I'll talk to you okay. soon. All righty. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Is it me or is he just absolutely fabulous? I absolutely love individuals who are older industry folks who have been around and know their shtick. And so, again, thank you so much, Carmine. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner, for hooking us up. Again, folks, don't forget, tomorrow, Dr. Gouda, 1 o'clock Central Standard Time on the show. I'm off to go get my babies and my Thanksgiving dinner. Thanks so much to everybody for listening in and supporting me. And one more time, thanks again for all of your support, medically and otherwise. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.